Welcome everybody to another live Q&A session with Alexander and the Wise Wise podcast. Today we will be discussing our last podcast episode, which was on the question of love or consciousness, which would you choose in your relationships and in everyday life? First, I wanted to share another card that I've chosen for everybody listening uh, from the Animal Spirit deck. Today, I meditated and chose the Sea Serpent, which is very coincidental because it was the card that I chose on my birthday for myself for this upcoming year. And it is around the, actually, I'm wrong. This is, the, this is around the second <laughs> chakra, not the throat chakra. But I did, I did pull this for myself recently, so I think that's probably why I thought. So the Sea Serpent. Uh, it deals with healing emotional wounds and expressing desires. So it does deal with the creativity and sexual energy um, from the second chakra that we've discussed a lot in the past. The sea serpent represents the energy of expression, whether it's emotions, creativity, sensuality, or desire. The sea serpent helps us move and direct our energy into a healthy current. When the essence of this card is in balance, we express ourselves creatively and sexually without fear or shame. We know what we desire most. Our hearts are at ease and our relationships are meaningful and enduring. We loosen the grip of self-judgment and we let the cool waters of forgiveness in to heal our wounds. When the energy of the sea serpent is not yet activated, our emotions and creativity are left in the muddy waters. The current of expression stagnates in some areas of our lives and in other places it floods. It's important to remember no matter what the waters of our emotional lives look like, the sea serpent loves us just the same. Like a mother, she wraps herself around us in a gesture of protection. She supports us as we learn to express our true natures. The sea serpent and the second chakra. The subtle energy of the sea serpent occupies the area of the, uh, I don't know if maybe Alexander, you can help me with the uh, Sanskrit name of the chakra, Svatasana. Mm, Svatasana. Okay. Located deep within the pelvic bowl, this chakra is known as our center of creativity and desire and is associated with the water element. Svatisana translates as in her own abode, indicating this chakra is the home of the divine mother or Kundalini herself. So I think uh, in this episode, you even mentioned, um, or we did discuss unconditional love. And I actually did want to first bring up um, that we have done an episode called what is unconditional love and how to possibly reach it. And that was episode 19. So if anybody wants to go all the way back to episode 19, even though it feels like yesterday um, <laughs> that we've that we've done that episode, uh, you can go back and check that one out. Yeah. So I do want to welcome everyone uh, this evening and thank you for taking your time to share your energy and your thoughts um, with us. We are sending out the most beautiful, kind and loving energy um, to everyone in the universe with the many different things that are going on right now. And um, so we're looking forward to, bringing some insights and uh, lifting the vibration uh, this evening and uh, just sharing. So, so welcome. Okay. To start this off, 
I felt it's best to continue the practice of defining terms. And this is something that we recommend when you're discussing anything uh, of importance with a loved one or a friend when using terms that can be loaded and you just want to define what they mean to you. So when you use them or ask that person what they mean to them. So there's, you know, to kind of limit that um, possible getting um, mixed up and just coming from a more conscious way of looking at things. So when we're discussing love versus, con versus consciousness, Alexander, let's first again define what the terms are and how we're going to be using them in this discussion tonight. Um, and then get into what the difference is between unconditional love and, and love, which I guess you're going to define right now. Right. Well, and I do want to start with inviting everybody to please participate and engage with us. Uh, though you, those of you on the, the Zoom platform, um, please uh, send Aaron a message. Let him know that you have a question that you would like to, to ask and engage with. And same with the people through the Facebook avenues. Uh, if you message, uh, message us with a question, then Aaron can, uh, can get that question to me and we can go over it. But, but just remember that the interaction is the main focus of this platform. So, so please interact with us. So as we're going through this, um, this love or consciousness, I've for, been looking at this for many years and I've discussed it with many people over the years. And people tend to want to, of course, choose both. Like when I say, you know, do you choose love or consciousness? Well, both, and they interact. And all of that is correct, but there come times in life to where you have to make a decision and you have to come from a specific direction. And normally that is going to be out of, um, typically for most people, out of reaction or training. And I think it's just good to know the separation of these. So the love that I'm talking about is the, the general basic love that everybody is trying to experience out here in relationships. Um, it is connected to the heart chakra and it is conditional. Um, the unconditional love is just a whole completely different topic. Um, from my perception, it is found between the root and the second chakra. And one has to be completely safe, secure, not carry any financial issues, no fears of any kind of protection or any kind of lack to experience that unconditional love. And But this evening, we're going to be mainly talking about what most people experience is their, we'll call it heart-centered love. And then, and that's, of course, what we, how we look to connect with people, the, whereas marriage agreements or agreements between parents and children, certain parameters that, you know, that when is crossed, we show um, maybe signs of the opposite of love, uh, whereas judgment and the negative emotions. And in consciousness, uh, from the sl slight definition of it um, doesn't carry that, that judgment, doesn't carry that separation. Um, it doesn't get bogged down by the emotional reaction. It's able to see through the emotion, see through the preference, see what I call it as clearly as possible and from all perceptions or from all different sides is where conscious information comes from, from my perception. And many times, in order to be able to do that, 
there is structure and discipline that is necessary to practice in everyday life so that when a very challenging situation comes up, you have the ability to truly choose to respond rather than just react. And there's a lot of emotional reactions that is justified around love. Um, there's even many times uh, when there's a murder based around love. See, when the, the person is doing that act, in their mind, they're doing something good. They're not doing something bad. They're protecting something that they care about. So once again, very rarely is anything um, that uh, someone does that like breaks a law um, you know, done in some kind of like negative view. They think that they are doing something so-called good many times. And so, but it's not conscious. See, but it's in love, retaliation to protect somebody that you care about. That would be in love, but it may not, that retaliation may not be a conscious retaliation. And so, uh, so we're in the midst of a lot of stuff going on of course, in our environment right now, and a lot of emotional reaction uh, from the pandemic and from the unnecessarily brute force that has unfortunately, um, you know, taken lives here recently and throughout the past. Um, so it's bringing a lot of focus, uh, but what on on both um, protection on on the police on genders race everything and it's so unfortunate because that takes the focus away from what's really useful and so we're going to be bringing the energies back in this podcast this evening to uh, when we're talking about the just philosophy whatever is happening external we want to review how that's affecting you internally and work on that internal to change the external so we'll be uh, touching on that more and more as we as we go along and as we talk about love versus consciousness and which one we're operating out of and whatever relationships we're talking about in our lives. I'm willing to bet that most of us are probably working out of the love in most of our relationships, right? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Attempting to anyway. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I mean, consciousness takes um, a fair amount of discipline. Uh, like I said, to stay out of that reactionary state because I have a, you know, a, a saying or a quote that, it may be impossible to be in your emotions and be conscious simultaneously. Um, from many perceptions, it's when you are in those emotions, especially negative emotions, but we have to put positive emotions in there too, that you may actually disconnect from that divine energy and that that is the dance that we're here to do as human beings. But to realize that we do have the one main free will that we do have is our perception. And our perception is what, manages our reaction or response mechanisms so this is why practicing this philosophy uh, can help with these perceptions to help us to stay out of reaction and in response which will have more conscious results which actually affects change over long periods of time so after defining the terms we wanted to ask the listeners out there to think about this question and offer your input as we go throughout the night, would you say that you've had a conscious relationship or are you currently in one? And what does that mean to you? Yeah, good question. So feel free to send that in a comment and what, if you're watching one of the feeds or if you're here with us in zoom, 
If you'd like to uh, share with us through audio or video, just hit me up and we can make that happen. Yes. So Alexander, I wanted to discuss some certain types of relationships and what it would look like if, if we were operating in a conscious one. Because I think everybody would, everybody out there knows what a relationship, like a romantic relationship based around the uh, kind of attachment love looks like. I think we're, we've all had one of those in our mm-hmm. lifetime already. Um, so what does a romantic relationship look like if it was uh, a conscious one? Well, this is just a view. It's not um, the view of a Uh, conscious relationship period, but I do want to give just a a general because that has many different facets. But in to help this discussion, um, the separation is kind of to where a pure loving uh, relationship is focused on acceptance of however the person is, whatever the person does, to stay loving and supporting. And that's where a lot of people looking for relationships, um, you know, want that non-judgment. They want to so-called just be who they are and not feel like they're judged for it. And that's, that's beautiful. Um, and I have seen people experience that, uh, some friends and colleagues that have those types of relationships that's, that's supportive in a way that isn't correcting or isn't uh, suggestive. And so that's kind of like the love model um, based around uh, truly accepting a person for who they are and where they are. And then, which I support, and then a conscious relationship, so to say, is to where both parties agree that they want to uh, break their patterns, that they want to change from uh, ways they've reacted or responded in the past and that this becomes part of the communication and it becomes more like a team to where you're helping each other to break these patterns so if i know that like i happen to carry um, frustration or insecurity or something like that and i'm talking with my partner and i describe that and i say hey if you happen to see me respond in a way or react in a way that seems uh, defensive or insecure, please point it out to me because I really want to work on that. So then say three days later, I do something and, um, and my partner might say to me or even a friend, uh, Alexander, are you a little insecure in that area? Because it sounds like your verbiage is kind of suggesting that. See, I wouldn't take that. I shouldn't take that as them judging me, as them belittling me. Because it's something that I've invited them to do, but more importantly, I've invited myself to do. So see, when that person points that out, there's no reason for me to get uh, offended or upset at them. Because this is what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to grow. I'm looking to change. And so, so this is just kind of a different, um, you know, two different kind of platforms of how a relationship is developed. And Many times you'll hear me mention that consciousness and any, everything that we need to learn about consciousness is exemplified through the raising of children. And people can break this down pretty easily when they look at children, but then when they look at their own intimate relationships, they don't look at the rules to be similar. 
And I do look at them to be similar because we're trying to help the child to grow, to be more efficient with their energy, with their time, with their money. This is part of being a parent to teach that. And then as so-called adults, we still need help with that because most of us don't master that by the time that we turn 18. So, so this is it's just two really different approaches to um, how one is going to or a couple is going to approach an intimate relationship or friendships. And, uh, and I think it's just, first of all, an interesting subject for people to just be aware of. And when you, those of you that are out there that are spiritual, religious, or looking to grow, looking to change, you know, truly ask yourself if you really are, if you're getting offended by what people say to you. Because if you really are looking to work on yourself, then in, from my perception, you should be utilizing all of those people that offend you or create uh, reactions in you to see them as teachers, not as enemies or, or foes or someone to, uh, to defend against. Uh, so, so I really implore people that are looking to, like I said, work on themselves and change themselves to use that self-check-in um, because if you are truly looking to grow, then there shouldn't be anybody that um, can say anything or do anything that offends you. If it does, then you thank them for being your teacher and you work on why did I allow that to offend me? And when, we, when we're able to undo all of those past similarities, then see, we stop being so reactive in the present moment. Um, so this is a practice that we can exercise like any other muscle in the body. And, um, and I just had a discussion with a beautiful being that's um, a, a pastor a Christian pastor, and we had a great conversation around this and the way that um, that he looked at uh, emotional management. And so we, we had a great conversation around that, but it's a very different approach, very different. So we, we do have some comments and questions coming in, but I did want to take a moment to ask a question that I've had related to this uh, that we're talking about. To have a conscious relationship how much of its success depends on the other person's openness to it? Um, can you have a conscious relationship if only one person wants it to be conscious? Yes. Um, yes, because that so-called consciousness should be sought for each individual's um, personal self. And that if both parties in the relationship uh, seek that, then there will be a conscious union down the road. But if both parties aren't willing to practice, um, then one can still be in that relationship because if you are practicing to be a conscious and loving being, then you can still love that person, even though they're not getting on board with what you want to do. Uh, as my great teacher, Sam said, you know, seek out uh, those that teach you what not to do rather than those that teach you what to do, as long as you can stay out of judgment. So when your mate, your intimate partner, or somebody in your family has a different view than you, if you get upset and you feel a need to prove something, then see, you need to take the energy away from needing to prove that and go inside and ask yourself why you're allowing this to upset you. Why can't they have their own opinion? Because teaching consciousness and wisdom is done through example, not through words. So this is why many... Um, you know, in my conscious relationship with Sherry, 
before she passed 12 years ago, it took us 18 months to get on the same page. But for those 18 months, she challenged me every day. And in that challenge, whether it was conscious or subconscious, she was trying to get me to react and prove that I'm not strong enough to do what I say that I'm going to do. And with her, my statement was, I'm no longer going to emotionally react to people or situations in my life. And so from that day on, there was a challenge for me to emotionally react and I didn't. And after 18 months of exemplifying that, that's when Sherry came over and she said, whatever you're doing, I want to be part of that. And so this is why perseverance is so important and that we show people who we are and what we're about by our actions, not by talking about what we do. And so this is why there doesn't always have to be the participation of our mate, um, especially in the beginning, because they may just be wanting to see if we're serious and, and nobody's willing to change typically unless they see some results and then they go, wait a minute, what are you doing here? So, um, so I hope that uh, answered your question. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, so uh, we have a question from Cindy. How do you bring back a balance or bring back in consciousness if it was there with, I guess, a shared consciousness, if it was there in a relationship, but it has kind of like weaned out over time? Well, I think, uh, you know, getting clear within oneself as to where they drifted away and why that was and keep it's, it's worthwhile to take a glance at maybe what caused the other person to drift away, but only uh, so that you have the information to help with the communication, no judgment connected to that, but to be able to look at yourself and say, you know, what, what have I done? What maybe conversations have I avoided to keep that connection strong? Um, or what in communications have I emotionally reacted to maybe make a subject too sensitive to talk about. Um, I'm of course always a fan of communication and normally when two people have drifted away for some reason, it's normally a communication issue. And, and remember that in this clearing this up, we teach people to listen by listening to them, not by telling them to listen to us. So sometimes we need to give in order to be received. And, and for example, in this conversation that I was having with this wonderful uh, Christian gentleman, you know, he was talking about uh, his teenage son and that he was trying to connect with him. He's 15 years old and he is having a problem with that. And so he's like, you know, I told him that I do disc golf and he's like, well, maybe I could do that. But we used to connect through sports and all this. And he said, but he's really into video games and I'm just not into that. And I said, well, well, brother, the way that you connect with somebody is by connecting with them in something that they really enjoy. So rather than you trying to go create a new sport for you guys to connect around, I suggest find something that he's really interested in and you get a little interested in that, like get interested in his world. And I think with partners, it's the same way that if you show some interest, maybe in an area of the world that you haven't shown interest in the past or uh, shown a lack of interest, you know, that softens people. So to get them to see what you want to share many times is worth uh, leaning into that friction or that uncomfortableness and being willing to be vulnerable and ask them to share something, you know, with you. Um, so, so that 
uh, main to, to bring that around completely is more than likely it is around communication and it's probably around sensitive subjects that's been touched on in the past and then just kind of stayed away from to kind of keep the peace. Um, so that would be a suggestion that I have. Yeah, I, I guess I would also say that uh, for so one, one person to bring back in vulnerability, you know, start that, that process of bringing that back in, right? Yes, and normally whoever I'm speaking with or whoever is asking the question, you know, that's what, um, you know, I'm going to suggest to them. And that's what I'm talking about, leaning into that friction, leaning into doing something or being part of what is important to that person. And, you know, that could be a couple that one person wants to go to church and one person doesn't. And they have this this struggle in their spirituality or whatever. And, and the so-called spiritual person could maybe go to church every now and then with that person and not create a big deal about it to show them, hey, I support you in your way, even though it's different. And that's more than likely to help that that church going person to be more open to their spiritual partner and maybe being part of what they're into. Because many times both parties are seeking for very similar things. They just get caught up in the different paths and the different languages. And that's what I'm really enjoying uh, working with this Christian gentleman, because that's all we're doing is we're, we're just bridging the language gap and we're realizing that we, we approach things very similar. We do very similar work with the way that we work with and help people. Um, but we're enjoying the different languages and just learning from one another rather than debating and arguing and who's right. Yeah. Right around the time I met you, um, I met uh, a person who was very Christian and I spent a lot of time just asking questions to, to, understand that whole perspective and to draw all the lines between it and I guess what you would call like this, uh, the spiritual view. And so much of it is just, the, is the same, but it's just the different words and the attachment to words is kind of what can keep us separate. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's so unfortunate. And that's why my plea to the world is uh, pay attention to people's intentions more than their words uh, conscious communication is about being interested in what someone is looking to communicate, not looking to be offended by what words they choose for that communication, because they can't really know the, the words that you're sensitive to. So it's very unfortunate when arguments and debates happen because of just sensitivity to words, and that's very challenging to know. So this is why we should always work to be considerate of our words when we're explaining things. Okay. Uh, Joanna at, uh, asks, what conscious communication tools do you recommend when communicating with someone who has a different viewpoint than you? Uh, well, once again, this is a great question. Hey, Joanna. Um, when people have those different viewpoints, it's important from my position to show them that you are able to stand in your power of your own viewpoint, but still be receptive of someone else's. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. And uh, so that's why a response of some type is better than no response, because many times people say no response is agreeing with, or people will take that. So a phrase that I really like to use is, you know, um, maybe you're right. Maybe I need to look at this, uh, continue to look at this from many different perspectives as I will. And thank you so much for your, for your input right now. I see it, uh, you know, from a different perspective, but I'm always looking to see it from as many perspectives as possible so that I can be uh, more likely to find what I call the truth in it. Uh, I think the key in that is showing 
your flexibility and your willingness to just be accepting of other people's views. Um, but just because you're accepting of them does not mean that you approve of them. And there is a time and a place to stand in your power. Um, but I don't happen to feel that there's, or I happen to feel that it's very rarely a need to be forceful with words or with actions. And so that's why, you know, speaking your truth is important to, to state how you feel about a subject, but please do it in a way that isn't emotionally charged because if you carry emotions, then it's going to charge the other person to retaliate. So this is why showing softness, showing that you can stand in your truth, but you don't have to force it and that you're willing to hear their truth, even if it's very different from yours. Um, because before any conscious communication can really uh, transpire, there has to be respect there. And respect isn't established unless people feel heard. And, uh, and so we can typically only change someone's view when they hear themselves say something that all of a the sudden they don't agree with but still that somebody like is receptive to it rather than judgmental of it. So see, this is the beauty of being receptive, but you don't have to agree is that it allows people to hear what they're saying for themselves. And many people will change their perception through hearing it when there's no defense there. There's no need for force. They're truly, it's the whole point in many of the podcasts I've talked about that when people feel energy pushing towards them, it makes them uh, feel an innate ability to push back. If there's no pushing there, they're a whole, whole lot more likely to not come with forceful energy. Now, they may in the beginning, and you may have to buffer that, and, but, but I've proven energetically that if you can hold your peace while somebody else is emotionally reacting, that it will calm them down. But if you engage in that emotional reaction, many times it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. So the main tools is just to show that the person is being heard, but not that you're necessarily agreeing with them and that you feel comfortable to speak your truth in a way that is uh, non-confrontational. All right. We have a question from Claire who is going to ask it via voice. Wonderful. Welcome. Hi. Claire. Thanks. Um, I was wondering, what would it look like to apply the question of love or consciousness to your relationship with yourself? Ah, great, great question. Great. <clears throat> so, yeah, so once again, we have to realize that that love does have judgments typically in what people are experiencing and that the consciousness doesn't carry that judgment, but the consciousness does carry the discipline and the structure. And so, while we're working on ourselves and to do a good assessment of whether we are um, coming from a place of love or consciousness is that when we are coming from the place of consciousness and we recognize like say a weakness in ourselves, um, like maybe um, a feeling of I should have spoke up in that situation and I didn't. And now I'm kind of beating myself up. I'm feeling judgmental myself because I was insecure that I'm not strong enough to stand in my truth. See, all of that is just deteriorating and wasting the energy. But see, that from my perception is connected uh, to that 
uh, love vibration because we're we're wanting to be better. We're wanting to uh, we're wishing that we were different. And and uh, the consciousness side is in catching that and simply going, okay, we see where we could have handled it more optimally. And so next time, this is what I'm going to work hard to do. I am going to engage. I am going to work to keep my emotions in check. And this becomes just a practice that you stop beating yourself up um, for things that you fail at and you just set some structure and some discipline about how to move forward. And the, the main connection is no would-haves, could-haves, or should-haves. As soon as you go into that, change that back to assessment of moving forward. When I'm put in a similar situation, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And you can have that. That's part of the mental plan, but then you've got to actually, you know, utilize it the next time. And this is what changes those ripples. And then as we uh handle it more consciously next time then it's easier for us to love and appreciate ourselves so so that many times that so-called love has the judgment side and then it also has the appreciation side so we need to make sure that you know when we do do a little bit better that we do pat ourselves on the back not from an ego standpoint but just a recognition of whoa that was a little challenging or hard and but i did it and that doesn't mean it's fixed. It means I have to do it more and more. Um, so, so consciousness is just looking at the self uh, with complete um, appreciation and acceptance that we have things that we're working on and that we're not going to get into beating ourselves down, but focusing on how we can and will do better next time. So the conscious view doesn't ha carry that um, the blame or the negative emotions. And many times the love view has both the so-called positive emotions and the so-called negative emotions. So, so that's a good check-in of, of which one you're operating out of is to whether you're emotionally activated or not. And if the emotions are activated, you're carrying a preference. And so you're probably acting more out of love rather than consciousness and consciousness is when you get out of that preference and you just see what needs to be adjusted and adapted and then you practice it moving forward. So do you think forgiveness would fall more under love or consciousness? Well, I think there's two different levels of forgiveness, uh, probably even more than two. And so I would say that forgiveness uh, resides in both, but the forgiveness that resides in consciousness is truly like the the forgiveness that Jesus talks about that and and many great teachers of many different faiths has talked about to where there's truly no not one ounce of resentment or emotional connection to it there's truly like a a uh, and an expanded level of forgiveness to where there's literally no connection, no energetic connection to the person or the situation to where forgiveness from the love standpoint many times is, is just really that the person has the situation of the person out of their mind and they don't think about them often. And so they're able to say, you know, I've forgiven that person. Uh, but really, I like to suggest to people to look at that level of forgiveness. Is that just out of sight, out of mind to which is still a useful level 
but I do feel like there are two different levels of that forgiveness and the beginner level of just out of sight, out of mind is in that love vibration. But in the consciousness, there's truly no uh, emotional connection, no energetic connection. You have truly released it. And from my standpoint, that happens when you're able to see the person or the situation truly as a teacher and a lesson and that you gain something out of them playing that role. And so when you are able to gain something out of them playing that so-called negative role, that's when you're able to truly forgive at that level to where you release the energetic connection um, altogether. So you were, you were talking about patting yourself on the back when you've done something like good. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing that I struggle with. I'm so hard on myself when I know that I failed at, yes. at carrying out something that I know, like knowledge-wise. Um, but I, I rarely take the time to congratulate myself when, you know, I've, I've done something successfully and then turn something, turn some knowledge into wisdom. And I, you know, then add that to my wisdom bank. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, uh, that's a beautiful example as well. And, you know, I, I enjoy talking about this because once again, it's not one or the other, uh, it, all of this is oscillating and we're dancing in between all of these different variables. So the true key to consciousness is that you actually have choice to decide how you respond before you react. And that happens by practicing uh, emotional management. I'm not talking about controlling your emotions. I'm talking about managing them like you do, uh, like optimally parents do with children. And they're very, very similar. And typically people will raise children in the manner that they, to the extent that they are emotionally reactive. It's very, very similar as inward, so outward. And it's exemplified uh, through children, basically about how a parent manages their own emotions uh, is seen through how they manage their children many times. So Michelle mentioned, uh, she says she, she, she has had consciousness in her relationships. However, she has a difficulty accepting her own self, <laughs> um, as I think do many of us, including myself. Um, thankfully, she has broke a lot of patterns and is far more present now. Yes, and I want to you know, touch on that patting ourselves on the back. Um, we do need to remember to uh, acknowledge when we do grow. It's not a point of, like I said, feeding the ego. It's just a matter of like very similar to like people that work out and they might not want to work out, but then after they work out, they feel good about it and they go, man, I'm so glad that I worked out. That's what I'm talking about. If you, if you overcome like an emotional reaction and normally something would have set you off and it doesn't because you do the internal work, then afterwards, you know, go relish in that, go sit outside under the sky and say, Hey, that was a win. Uh, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to win every battle, but that win is helping me to win the war. And so, see, we shouldn't judge ourselves on every single little battle because we're looking for the, the, the war and to win the war, not every single battle. That's not realistic. And so that's why we need to be easier on ourselves when we fail. And when we do succeed and we do uh, make a step in the right direction that we do take the time to appreciate that and maybe celebrate it. So own it when you fail and celebrate it when you uh, 
um, you know, when you succeed. And I do that my best to do that, uh, especially with my boys, you know, anytime that I'm with them and I fail, I'll have like, maybe I have an emotional reaction internal, but I don't have any external reaction. And see, they may not recognize that or nobody in the group would recognize it, but I'll lean over to my son and I'll say, I just failed. And he'll look at me and say, what are you talking about? And I say, I allowed that situation there to bother me a little bit. And see, in me owning that to him, that's not me beating myself up. That's not me judging myself. That's me holding myself responsible to say, even though you didn't recognize this, I'm letting you know that I am human too. And this is what I learned out of it. And it's saying that if I see them succeed at something, I'll celebrate it. And that's what our, whoa, that's what that's about, um, to just bring that, that celebration. And I just want to, to plead to people to truly dive into that authentic celebration of life. And we do the woo. It was something that was very challenging for me to do in the beginning of my uh, starting it. And then it was hard for my boys to do it. It was more challenging for, for Aaron here in the beginning and he's getting pretty comfortable with his woo. So, so see, it's just, it's not just a, um, some people can, can judge it as a, um, uh, whether it's a Southern yell or call, but it's really not that it's just a, a spontaneous appreciation of being in this magnificent beauty and no matter what's going on in the external world, see, you can tap into that godlike energy at any time and, and celebrate that. And, and I want us to be more careful with celebrating with each other authentically um, and, and with ourselves as well, rather than just beating ourselves up. Uh, but there is a separation. You're not feeding the ego. You're appreciating hard work. And that's what this emotional management and the self-development work is. It is hard and challenging work. So, so we do need to um, give ourselves appreciation when we, no matter how small the success is, because we surely beat ourselves up when we fail even a little bit. Um, so let's bring those into a little bit more balance. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've had, or I've openly said to people that I've failed where I was holding myself accountable and they've said back to me, don't be so hard on yourself. And, and I'm like, well, I mean, I, I want to grow as, as much. And I mean, I, I'll admit as fast as possible, like, cause I'm doing this work, you know, I want it to happen fast, but, but I understand that it, it takes time. Uh, but like, I'm holding myself accountable. I'm not going to let myself off the hook for something to then I'm not continuing my growth in my opinion. But I wonder if them saying that is maybe a reflection of them not wanting to take, you know, like maybe there's pressure for them to take responsibility yeah, for their self. A, so they're kind so, of like, you know, relax. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is more than likely what's happening. Um, there, see, people normally will realize either consciously or subconsciously that when they notice how much you um, assess or judge yourself, they make a comparison that obviously if he's upset himself for that, then he's going to be upset at me if I do something similar. So by them saying, Hey, don't beat yourself up. That's a way of saying, Hey, don't judge me when I do that. Cause I already know that I'm going to do it. Um, and so, so that's why how we present it to people around us is very important. And you've heard me of course, talk about the 360 degree approach that we may want to, 
mention to somebody, you know, I just failed in that situation. I'm not judging myself. I'm not ridiculing myself. I'm just recognizing it. And you know what? This is what I normally do. And this is what I'm going to do different next time. And so I see this as a wonderful opportunity of recognizing just where I slipped up a little bit and I'm looking forward to doing better next time. That's more of that 360 degree view rather than just coming out with the uh, assessing or what sounds like judgment or beating ourselves up. Um, that, that 360 degree uh, delivery uh, buffers that a lot. Yeah. Okay. We're 45 minutes in. So we're about halfway. Uh, I guess we can take a three minute break for anybody to get up, get a drink, use the bathroom. And I guess maybe Alexander will play some tunes. If yes. I got to uh, grab the cord, plug up my computer and then I'll come back in and play a little bit. So I'll be right back. I can entertain while he's gone. Um, don't adjust your monitors. My face is a little red. <laughs> um, the, day, the way I deal with like feeling self-conscious about my appearance um, is to point it out as soon as possible so that I'm, I kind of have the power in that, in that way. So I was at the beach. If anybody um, is on my Facebook or my Instagram and the sun wasn't out like the whole time, but yesterday, right before I was going to leave, the sun came out and I decided to hit the beach, even though I was just going to leave in the morning. And, uh, I stayed, I ended up staying out there for two to three hours playing in the water, collecting shells. So I did, I didn't put any sunblock on cause I thought I was only going to be out there for 30 minutes, but I did end up getting a little crispy. So as to, Alexander and I were joking about um, earlier before, before we started this, my lights above my desk are yellow because I have the Edison bulbs. And so usually at night, I, you guys probably know, I start to turn yellow. <laughs> so I'm not, we're not sure like what, what's going to happen when I have yellow going on my red face. Yeah, camouflage, we called it. <laughs> Just take a few minutes to center and be grateful. I'd like to ask everyone to just go through a little gratitude practice. A few things or people that we're really grateful for and to realize with everything that we're dealing with in the present moment externally in the world that we don't have to come up with solutions right away but balancing that energy out balancing the anger the hatred with kindness and love and gratitude and we can tap into that anytime that we want so when you come across someone that is carrying those vibrations rather than trying to talk them out of it or talk them down consider going internal and just vibrating your peacefulness your love your gratitude and neutralize that energy.
I'm so grateful for all you beautiful people interested in growing and expanding and loving. You are all very powerful. Uh, we've had a few comments based on what we were discussing before the break. So Lacey says that she's definitely had people uh, tell her not to try so hard so they wouldn't feel bad about themselves, both <laughs> subtle and aggressively. <laughs> <clears throat> and Denise shared that she slipped up and even joined in, in, joined in with the gang to, to define herself as less than but she's trying uh, to come back and hopefully do better next time. It's hard for me to, like, I, I ha I'd have this wanting to read it in a, in a third person rather than a first person. And that's <laughs> some of my failing there. So I did turn my lights on. So I don't know, I might be glowing. It looks fine. <laughs> yes. And thank you for, uh, for that, uh, Denise. Um, these are, uh, you know, and everyone that is is commenting, thank you so much for your participation, because once again, that's what this platform was for, for this type of engaging and, um, and hopefully, you know, building this community to where we can count on each other and pull on each other uh, during times of complications and to remind ourselves that we always have something to, to learn every situation, uh, every engagement. Uh, we do have something to gain from it, and sometimes we do need an outside perspective to help us to see that more clearly, because normally see that third-party perspective is non-emotionally attached. So that's why many times um, we can gain clarity through someone else's view that's not involved, and that's what many people come to me in my private practice for, is for that neutral, non-judgmental uh, third-party view. Um, so... Uh, so keep doing great work, people. So uh, regarding some some of the stuff you said before the break, Claire mentioned, she said, that's so interesting. I feel like I've had to learn to show myself love before I can consciously forgive myself and others. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think about different situations that would require us to experience one before the other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is useful. And that's why they do dance together. And, you know, um, like another one that we'll be discussing down the road is loyalty or freedom. And so once again, the, the point of these isn't that you've got to choose one. It's that you realize that they both exist and they coexist. And that, yes, that uh, consciousness is normally 
only gained through people that get interested in uh, defining love for themselves and get interested in seeing people in a different light, seeing themselves in a different light. So, um, so they are interconnected, but like the example that I want to give is like in this choice of this love or consciousness is say that you're someone's in your home and they, um, they knock off a vase and say that you were very like attached to that vase and they just knock it off and they don't even acknowledge knocking it off. And they're just about, well, no, they love me. She'll, he'll accept me for who I am and see it was an accident and no big deal. And maybe they don't even tell anybody to where a more conscious perception would be that if that person knocked that vase off, then they do want to uh, own it. And the person that they're going to, that's coming that owns it, you know, would practice non-attachment and see that that material possession isn't worth no matter what amount of money it, it costs worth getting upset over. And then they could want to inform that person that, uh, you know, of what just happened. Hey, did you realize that you just knocked this off to bring it into that person's consciousness? There doesn't have to be judgment around it. There doesn't have to be ridicule, but really uh, the separation of that love or consciousness is a responsibility is a big part of that. And so another, uh, when I break it down to like a child is say a child, your child knocks that off and they just keep running and don't pay any attention to it. You know, uh, one love perspective is just kids do the darndest things. And so we have to just accept that. And so that person may not even say anything to the kid and that child is going to more than likely repeat that action to where the more conscious view is you take the time to make sure that the, the child realizes what just happened. And then you gauge the amount of structure or discipline around the child's response. If you see remorse right away, there's not much discipline that needs to happen because the important thing is that there's remorse in what just happened. If the child doesn't carry any remorse, then it may need to be some discipline uh, involved in that. And this this kind of shifts over to our adult relationships because the discipline is just how much we give that person our time. So see, it's, it's about how the person or the two people in the situation respond to one another around the situation, not whether the situation happened or not, because we are always playing roles for each other. And once again, that loving view that a lot of people want to practice is that, well, you just accept me and you accept me for the way that I am. And, you know, and I don't need any teaching. I don't need any um, accountability. And from my perception, that conscious view is one or everyone involved is interested in accountability, but not self-judgment. It's, once again, it's different between beating yourself up for something you did and just holding yourself accountable. The holding yourself accountable is just, I want to do better. I'm going to do better because this is what I'm going to implement to do better. Um, so, so I hope that that helps to clear up that uh, as well and see some people in relationships, they don't always want to see how to benefit 
from it or what the lesson is in it. And once again, that's more of a conscious relationship as opposed to just two people trying to experience love. Many times there's not lessons or learning in that. It is just, hey, let's just work to accept each other for the way that we are. And those are two very different approaches in relationships. Yeah, when you were talking about the broken, I don't know if you said vase. I don't know, in my head, in my head it was a vase, so uh, visually. Uh, the only difference between, uh, well, the difference between somebody who um, has an emotional reaction out of like a subconscious reaction, because I think we're all told or, or through movies and all of our influences that we're supposed to get mad when, or disappointed when something bad happens to us. Mm-hmm. So when our face gets broke, we're supposed to react to that. Or if you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't change between the two scenarios. It doesn't change the fact that it's broke. Right. right? So, right. so what is the point on having the emotional reaction? You're just like, you're going through all these emotions. And, and I guess if you're conscious about it, then you can realize that it's, it's, you know, you're, there's an energetic cost, but I guess if you're in the subconscious, then you don't even realize it. And it's just something that just happens to you and you don't have a choice. Yes. And, and, you know, you can choose to live your life in a way to where, you don't purchase or hold on to anything that means that much to you. I mean, this is, is like, like I have people that come to sound journeys and I really appreciate people's respect because some people are very attached to their instruments and those types of things, but they'll come up and say, you know, can I look at your bowls or can I touch them or whatever? And I'm like, sure. I know that I'm taking a chance at somebody accidentally breaking something, but see, I happen to feel and follow that, Unless I need the lesson of attachment, that so-called accident isn't going to happen. If it does happen, then it happened. They're playing a role for me to check in to see if I'm attached to that particular bowl or that drum. And am I going to allow that to bother me? Am I going to allow that to take me into some negativity? If so, then I happen to feel that that person is going to experience many different situations of things breaking accidents people borrowing stuff not uh, returning it but it's to the person that doesn't carry the preference that trusts that uh, as jesus said the sparrows need not worry where their next meal comes from that if something gets taken away from me then that's all in divine order and my job here on this planet is to work with acceptance and to learn Uh, not to be so attached to things. So I think it's a very good practice for people to just realize that anything that you feel like you need to protect, anything that you're afraid of getting damaged, uh, that, that creates energy around it to almost pull people in to play those roles. So I think that that's worth looking at just um, how our attachment creates, like I said, people to come in and to play roles and so-called accidents to happen and i happen to feel that the people that react less and are stay in a place of acceptance more that they have to deal with that energy of things accidents happening or things being broken or taken away from them um, a whole lot less Uh, and that's that's connected to how I say energy, everything grows on this plane through friction. So it's whatever we fear. That's why we will attract things in that we fear. People will break up relationships. And I have proven this. I've seen it so many times that they will create something is going on in a relationship and they will manifest that to happen. That is not happening. 
but sometimes it takes years and they'll actually create, push the person to cheat or to be in a situation to where they judge it as cheating to break up the relationship. And um, so there's a lot of self-sabotage that goes on in this world. And that's what I want people to really look at is if things are being taken away from you, if things are being broken, then look at why you're self-sabotaging yourself in the fear of losing those things. And that maybe reconsider holding on to things that you carry such a protective of you around um, to really consider that, especially with material possessions. Joanna asks, what tools do you recommend, recommend for parents, aunts, uncles, and grandparents teaching their littles conscious communication in this heated state of the world? Mm. Once again, thank you, Joanna. Um, that's a very challenging one because just realize people are very, very protective of their children and the information that they're getting. Um, and when you dance in that realm of making suggestions to people of how they maybe should teach their kids or uh, maybe making suggestions of uh, different verbiage to use or anything like that, um, we have to be very careful because people can get offended very quickly. So, you know, I like to do it in a way um, to where we just discuss, uh, maybe even hypothetically, um, you know, to where rather than saying, you know, you should do this with your kid to say that, you know, I hope that, you know, if a person doesn't have kids that they could say, you know, I would do my best to explain it to my child, you know, like this, um, or if you do have kids, then you can say, well, this is the way that I approach that. See, it's always worthwhile to give an example, but to give it in a way that the person doesn't feel like you're judging them or ridiculing them and the way that they're approaching their child. Um, it's, I feel that children are very, very perceptive and they are energetic sponges. And up to about seven years old, they don't have the cognitive understanding of where to place information. So they just absorb the energy that's connected to the words. And so that's why carrying a different kind of energy is, is important to carry a different verbiage when you're talking around those kids or when you're talking around the people that, um, that has the kids that they're relaying the messages to. But it's more important the energy that you're carrying to show that you're not carrying anger, that you're not carrying the frustration, that you're not carrying the hatred, and that, that you're not, you know, going to an extreme and just talking about love and peace and calmness and all this kind of stuff because that can create resistance as well, but that you're just maintaining that vibration within yourself and you're only using verbiage that is in resonance with that. If you start to get out of that loving, compassionate vibration, then please stop talking. <laughs> Your words aren't going to be useful unless you're able to maintain that vibration. And if what others are saying is creating you to go into frustration, to go into anger, to go into your own negative emotions, then please remove yourself from that situation as best and as smoothly as you can. Because once again, people, it's a really about the vibration that you're holding not the words that are coming out of your mouth. 
So there's nothing wrong with protesting or making a stand about a, a, a particular view. But I like to suggest that you must do it out of emotional neutrality or it has a negative effect. You can be going for the right cause and have the right information. But if you get emotional, you are discredited. And, and, and in the, the, the intellectual and mental realms, but in the energetic realm as well. So this is why it's very important for us to stand in our power, to know your truth, to be able to speak your truth, but to be able to do that in a non-emotionally reactive way. And if you start to get emotional, then please remove yourself from the situation. Go get back into gratitude, back into love, back into being grateful before you engage with anybody else about the, that subject or similar subjects. Because it's your vibration that will shift people, not your words. Very rarely is people's perceptions shifted with words. It's the vibration that's behind the words. Anybody that resonates with my words, I would ask you to consider if you're not truly resonating with the combination of my energy and the words that they're in combination come across at the same time. I could use the same words, but if I did it in an, an aggressive way, I'm willing to say it wouldn't be received the same way. And that's what happens when we get passionate, when we, when we care about something, when those emotions come up. And see, that is unconscious passion. And like I said, many horrible things are done in the view of love or in the view of truth, in the view of right. But no conscious action is done at the cost of someone else. But it is, things are done through love at the cost of someone else so it's just something to consider yeah and that that was the subject that i wanted to bring up next and i wanted to tie it to the love versus versus consciousness uh discussion where with what we're dealing with right now man it's been like chaotic in the last few months um currently what's going on in the world if it, you know we take the the death or a tragedy of somebody that's kind of the love because we're, we're acting out of that love, that, that attachment love, because then people react to want to make that right, you know, yeah. right that wrong, right the wrong. And then there's the other side of that, which is the, the consciousness view of that. And you did get into um, the protesting stuff, but I, w I did want you to go into more of that because we have talked about this on an episode way back uh, probably in the teens or twenties, it was about uh, conspiracies and politics where you did talk about um, it's all about the vibration. If you're protesting and not, not about um, the actions that you do, because if you aren't in alignment in consciousness, then you're mo more likely, if you're reacting, you're more likely to justify any violence that then it comes back at you. Right. Yes. Yes. And, and you justify the, their reaction. And this happens all the time in intimate relationships where somebody's in a bad mood. They come to the person that's in a good mood. They complain. They get the good mood person in a bad mood. And then the originator goes, whoa, what's going on with you? <laughs> uh, they don't even realize that they brought it. And, and then unknowingly, the person that's in a neutral or good mood takes it on. And normally that's out of a defense. They get defensive about something. 
uh, rather than staying in their vibration, realizing that, okay, this person's vibration is off and my job is just not to absorb this vibration. And the more neutral that I can stay, the sooner this will neutralize because people that are emotional, they need to get those emotions out and you can't tell somebody to not be emotional. Like, like when children get upset, many parents will tell them to stop. Please stop doing that, parents. They need to get it out. But show them love while they're getting it out. And show them that there are other ways to communicate. But we're, we're habitual as parents to get, try to make people stop, to try to make kids stop when they're in this emotional anger and it's not about that it's about allowing them to go through that while feeling comforted while feeling that it's okay and people do have a right to be mad people do have a right to be angry it is an it's a human emotion the thing is is please don't take that out on other humans but but if you interact with a person that is angry that is going through that then you know don't try to change that with verbiage like right away. Use acceptance. Use uh, kindness, compassion. Let them know that maybe they have a right to be angry, but can we please just hold each other for a minute and let's cry together. And see, I can feel that, that when people are, are so angry, if they can have somebody that can just cry with them, it's so cathartic, so cathartic. But if that person is not willing to be vulnerable and cry with that person that's angry and sitting there telling them that you shouldn't be angry or that you should be in the light, you should be in love or blah, 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 whatever the, the verbiage is, it just creates resistance the majority of the time. But when you show someone the compassion, the child, the adult, whoever it is, that, hey, what you are experiencing right now, that's okay. That's the, that's the first step. And that's what gets toward inspiring the person to manage it in a different way rather than being charged, dealing with resistance and wanting to stand and spread their truth and using their anger to do that. Because that anger shifted slightly can be passion and it can be very, very useful when it's passionate love energy rather than hatred anger energy but they're the same energies just being directed two different ways and the person that can hold their ground that can hold their neutrality that can hold their compassion are the ones that can shift that through their energy through their actions not just through their words but it is through the act of compassion first and then later that then you can share the maybe the the teaching the education the point of view once the emotions have calmed down but engaging trying to bring consciousness in in an emotional situation is a very ignorant action it's just it's very rarely going to help um so we need to be able to let the steam off of the pressure cooker and allow others to do that um, like I said, hopefully, let's just not get into physical harm in any way possible. And the point of not taking your emotions out in front of somebody or on somebody else is to what, what you've said in the past, end the ripple. Yes, yes, to just stop the ripple. And, and, and see, so you have to be willing to feel that ripple 
but not continue it. And, and that is, you know, everybody's not here able to do that. And that's why whether you call it way showers or light workers or people of the light or people of God or whatever you want to call it, that's what I'm pleading to you that uh, remember darkness flees light. The light don't have to physically do much, but show up and not go away. Gandhi proved this, but he had spent him almost 50 years of this type of consistent protesting, holding the energy. But he freed, he was part of freeing a whole nation of slavery in that 50 years. So that's why it's not just about making a stand, it's how long you can hold the energy of the stand. And the more people that can hold the energy of that stand, it's not about breaking down doors, it's about just standing at the door and merely saying, we're just not going away. This is a very inconvenient for us. And people that challenge it try to bring in inconveniences, try to bring in challenges to make it inconvenient. And the ones that persevere and really affect change are the ones that deal with the inconvenience. They realize that all I have to do is be here and be the light. I don't have to forcefully fight back. It's very challenging to do. And I know that we're coming up close to getting ready to wrap up. So anyone that has any final questions, uh, we want to uh, hit on those in, in this time of starting to close up. Yeah, for those looking you know, to practice this work, how how would you offer the guidance in looking at the current situation of the world and you know coming to acceptance of it well another great question so in this work you know the first step is inward before outward and there's a lot of people reacting outward right now um what i want to suggest to my listeners is to pay attention deeply to how what is being shared on the media and through your friends and conversations, how it makes you feel. If it brings up anger, then consider shifting the focus from the isolated incident that everybody is focusing on or isolated incidences. There's been many of them that is fueling all this to taking it inside and saying, where am I angry at myself? Let's start there. Where do I exemplify the anger that I'm seeing externally in these people? Where do I hold myself to that level of anger? And anything that we share externally, we carry it internally. And the reason that a lot of people get so active and so uh, passionate is that they're carrying that energy inside of them every day at themselves, at their families, at their own like intimate situations. And then when something happens externally, they almost channel that energy. And, and many people can do great things with that energy. But they, even if they resolve the external or they benefit the external, I don't know that they've benefited themselves internally very much at all. So, so whatever your reaction external is, Take the time to go internal and say, where do I treat myself like this? Where do I treat my siblings like this? Where do I treat my parents like this? Where do I treat my mate like this? And don't, don't justify it. I mean, be honest with yourself. And if these people, when they're talking, uh, whether it's Trump or whoever it is, if it elicits anger in them, then realize that that anger 
doesn't didn't just get created it was already in you and it got activated so when we go internal and we release this anger that's internal our outside situation shift it's a law of physics it's a law of the way that energy works so all of these external situations are direct um, opportunities for information of where we are internally and it gives us very ample amount of work to work on ourselves and use the external situations to help us to get clear on the vibrations that we're truly truly carrying and you know sometimes that is that many people right now are feeling the need to take up for the underdog to take up for the ones that have been picked on for a long time and uh, we need to do that with ourselves as well to see that we judge ourselves as less than others for whatever reason so see we're we're racist to ourselves in certain areas because we don't accept ourselves fully and that's what these external situations can really give us uh, an opportunity to is to release those internal situations and then when we engage in the conversations even if we get on a platform to speak publicly we will have much more of an effect when we have done the internal work then we will when we haven't focused on the internal at all and we're just going off of this passion or emotional reactions and so so that's my plea to people is to use the external to go inside and ask the questions where do i do this and see people don't want to be honest with themselves typically to feel that they carry hatred or they carry some type of judgment like racism see it may not be racism around colors uh, of skin but it can be racism around judgments of whether it's uh, southern people or northern people or western people or judgments of aspects of ourselves of like the family that we came from or the parents that we had or the the sibling that's dysfunctional that we have see we can all work on changing that view and we can utilize the events that are happening all around the world to help us to change our views of our immediate families and tribe and that's what's going to affect change in the world from us from my position is start with the self then start with the family or the tribe then start with the community then start with the region then it just the ripple keeps going out but it's all about you how long you can hold on to that vibration without delving down into those negative emotions and if you do don't beat yourself up over it just remove yourself from the battle only go into the battle when you're well fed well rested and in a balanced state otherwise you're not being as helpful as you think you may be so all of you are doing beautiful work just to show up and be interested in uh, this Q&A so I play praise all of you I appreciate all of you and all we're going to do is continue to support one another to continue to do this work to continue to go internal so that we can be more effective in the external yeah when i first met you four years ago you said something to me and i i even posted it like immediately on my facebook um you can't be angry unless you have anger inside of you and i remember like that was like my mind blew and i then i started searching like where am i angry yes yes and that's and that's what it's useful for is just to start that search but not in a judgment but in uh, uh, 
you are just assessing. You're assessing and being honest with yourself. And I do agree. I see a, a note from Michelle there that, you know, it does come back to acceptance and self-love. And it's not airy-fairy that love, that, that love is, you know, around the forgiveness and to realize that we weren't equipped with all the knowledge. Our parents didn't teach us the things that we have learned since then. So we don't need to beat ourselves up for the failures and the people that we've been in the past because what that's going to do is it's going to help us to relate to similar people in the future when you're of service or when you're just in a conversation in an airport. It's the relatability. So that's why judgment of the self is of no use because everything that you've been through gives you the ability to relate to somebody in the future or in the present that's gone through something similar. And when you're able to relate and connect, then you can help shift them so much faster or easier than somebody that hasn't had a similar life experience. So please, people, don't be hard on yourself for the things that's happened in your past. Realize that it's created things for you to relate to people. And all of you listening have aspects to where you could help people in a way that I can't. You've had experiences to where when you go, I know what you mean. See, when you truly know what somebody has experienced or you, you have had a similar experience, it creates a connection. It builds a different level of conscious communication. So this is why I've worked with many drug addicts that have just beat themselves up for so many years for wasting times of their life. And I say, but when you talk to somebody in the future or in the present about drugs, you can touch them in a way that other counselors can't, that maybe have never been a drug addict, but they have all kinds of degrees that person can be so much more useful because they've had the experience. But if you beat yourself up and you judge yourself for it, then you're likely to judge the other people too. If you forgive in yourself, then you're likely to be able to look at these people with non-judgment and acceptance. So see, you can not only use yourself, you're not only doing it for yourself, but you're doing it to be of better service for people. To me, it's, it's one of the ultimate levels of love. And it does come through the self-love. And I know that from taking over 40 years for me to really step into self-love myself. So when people hear me talk um, confidently of my work or myself, it's not coming from my ego, believe me. <laughs> it took me a long time to like Alexander so I carry that compassion for people, but it's important that we do feel good about ourselves and that if we don't, that we carry compassion for that little boy or little girl because the things that we went through once again will be very useful down the road when we're of service at some moment. So thank you people for connecting with me, for being real with me and allowing me to be me. I want you to be you. So uh, one more question before we end for the people who are out there, you know, maybe haven't dabbled into the self-development stuff, but they're kind of on the outside looking in and maybe listening to this conversation. Love to them probably seems more comfortable <laughs> and more easy, you know, cause you're just kind of like, Oh, I'm just going to love you. And I'm just going to be, you know, be here. Uh, but consciousness may seem like, like you have to be always on and, and like, 
in tune and, and watching what, what's going on inside you and being careful and being impeccable with your word. So what would you say to, to that perspective if somebody, you know, from the outside looking in had? Well, I, th I think it's worth seeing that when you are in that conscious space that you have the opportunity to connect to that um, love space very quickly in that it is about experiencing both and dancing in and out and truly being conscious enough to have the choice. So, uh, you know, the, the structure and the discipline, that's why, I, you know, I wonder, um, and I think we asked this question in the beginning, if, and maybe we didn't, but we didn't, if no. structure and discipline is part of people's view of love, because yes, most people have this concept of just love is just this so-called positive thing. But I ask you to look at that and see that it isn't there some of the masculine energy in love as well when you're raising a child isn't structure and discipline part of that love that you have for that child? And that's my question for everybody. If it is, then see, now we're getting closer to that experiencing that consciousness to where that love exists um, because you're able to see that, yes, from my perception, structure and uh, discipline is part of love, but that's getting closer to that unconditional love rather than just the emotional uh, heart chakra love. So the main purpose of this discussion is just to get help people to see that there are many different types of love uh, and consciousness carries a certain role and to truly choose what kind of love are we looking to generate and that if, if structure and discipline is part of that love, then yeah, I don't have to look at this practicing consciousness or practicing self-development as this heaviness. It just becomes part of of your life and you take time to enjoy and be in the love rather than just being focused on the work and the discipline and, you know, the so-called consciousness and the heaviness of that. Um, so, so hopefully this discussion has helped people to bridge that gap that there isn't such a big um, separation between this love and consciousness, but that we may need to hone our definition of love and that as we get more clear on what love really is, uh, maybe that truly connects us to the work more deeply and takes the work out of the self-development. Um, because work is just something that we resist. And we don't have to resist these processes. The assessment, um, the, the discipline, that doesn't have to be seen as anything negative. But normally when people hear those words, structure and discipline, <laughs> I see people go into resistance right away. But it's a structure and a discipline that you can create however you want to. It's just holding yourself accountable. And accountability is necessary in consciousness from my perception. Um, so, uh, so I really hope that this is helping to bring all of this around a full circle and just really give people a new view of when they use the word, I love you, what does that really mean? And when people say, I want you to love me, you know, more or whatever, what, what does that really mean? Does that mean increase the structure and the discipline maybe so that you can enjoy deeper levels of a connection rather than just this working to just accept each other for just exactly who we are and how we are all the time and, everybody's supposed to just do that with one another. Um, it's a beautiful concept. I just don't see it practiced very much, but I hear it talked about a lot.
So if somebody says that they love you, should we immediately <laughs> ask them what kind of love it is? Well, I mean, I think it just depends on what kind of relationship you want to have with the person. I mean, I do that a lot. I'll say, please elaborate on that. That's one of my favorite phrases. When people give me a compliment, uh, oh, I love you, Alexander. I'll say, please elaborate because I want to know what you really mean by that. Um, I'm not looking to call somebody out. I just, I don't want to take it for granted. And, or if somebody says, oh, Alexander, you, something you said, like really changed uh, my life or, or uh, really gave me a whole complete different perspective. And see, I can accept that compliment, but I truly want to know more. Please expand. Because as that person is talking about that expansion, see, they're changing and shifting their vibration. And that's what I want to feel. I want to feel the vibration, not just the words. And many people in our culture just are, are considerate with the words, but they're really not taking time to really tap into that love and transfer that love. They just want to let you know that I love you. And, and that's okay. We can receive that. But with the right people, we can take the time to let me describe to you what I mean when I say I love you and how that is different from anybody else on the planet. And, you know, that was my issue for many years. I wouldn't use the term publicly, I love you. It was only for approximately four to five people in my life. That's how special that phrase was. But I saw that people didn't see it the same as me. So I adapted my language to where when I told those four or five people that I loved, I used different terminology. I got into I ever love you, an evolutionary level of love, to where I want people that's in my inner core to know that they receive terms and vibrations differently from everybody else. And that, yes, terms like I love you is now a general term for me like most people. So I think that it's, it's uh, worthwhile just to visit, you know, what love means to us and with those that we can discuss. And same with consciousness. It's not a matter of proving our point to people, but it's a matter of just working on our communication to truly understand what people mean by what they say and that we're willing to express what we mean by the words that we say. Okay, sorry. I have sorry. my cat's coming in meowing at me. He's wondering where I am because I was gone for four days. So, uh yeah no michelle said uh well do they love themselves <laughs> right. yes so would you, would you pose that question to them as well um you know i would pose it in a way that where i would say you know i've really looked deeply at how much i love myself and that has helped me to understand how well i'm able to receive love see that can give somebody incentive to go inward but if you ask a direct question, it can create resistance. So always willing to be the example. Like any time that you want to ask somebody a question, be vulnerable and give yourself as the example first uh, goes a long way because most people get defensive around questions or statements. Some people get more offended by statements and some people get more offended by questions. Um, it's an interesting dichotomy. All right. Well, that, I guess we'll wrap it up there unless you have anything else, Alexander. Well, I think that, you know, in closing, I do want to say that um, we may only be able to love others as deeply as we do love ourselves. And that's why it is important that that love doesn't come from the ego. It comes from acceptance and it comes from forgiveness. And it is important to continue to work on loving ourselves because that is 
only going to increase, uh, you know, our ability to love other people. And I think it's a good exercise that when we do catch ourselves loving someone externally, like really, really deeply or going into that appreciation of them for us to shift that to ourselves. And while we're in that vibration to literally shift that to an area that we can love ourselves that much and share that vibration and vice versa. When we're able to get in gratitude just of something or someone that we have, when we can bring that into ourselves and then send that to somebody else, it's about sending the vibration, not just the words. So that's why it's so important for people to tap into what they're truly experiencing, not just what they're thinking and what they're saying. So quickly, if you uh, are interested and aren't in our Facebook community, feel free to join us there. If you go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wise wise podcast, you'll see a community link or tab there. And there you can find the way to access our group. Make sure you also like us on Facebook, like us and follow us. And also uh, rate and review us on iTunes if you can, if you have a yes. moment. Please do. And anyone's looking for further support, please reach out to me for private sessions and um, uh, reports uh, to see what, you know, how you are uh, being supported during these times really helps uh, with the Destiny card system and to understand your human design. So, um, so you know, from my perspective, once again, the one of the ideal approaches, way to work on this is to understand yourself uh, as deeply as you can and uh, that's what we're here to help with. So I thank all of you. We thank all of you for your participation, for the support of the Wise Wise podcast, of my sound journeys. And uh, we have uh, classes coming up. We have an apprenticeship program that's developing. We are releasing a planner is in the works right now, or at least a wellness guide. So we'll be making that public here in a few weeks. And uh, so Please continue to send us your questions, things that you're interested in, and appreciation on all those levels. And we can't express enough how much the likes really help us on the different iTunes platforms and Spotify, anywhere to where you can leave a review or like. That stuff really goes a long ways. Um, and anybody that wants to do a testimonial, that is even over the top as well. So we appreciate that. And I'm even willing to, to give music away in exchange for those. So, um, so we thank you in advance. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I'm really looking forward to our next release. I can't even remember what the topic was, but I do know that we discussed uh, priorities again, and we got into uh, something new that we actually previewed in this past um, episode where we started getting into the, the, those type of roles that we play in relationships with the nurturing and, pr and protector provider. Um, mm -hmm. But we expand more, more on that. And it also becomes more of uh, a fun thing you can do with, with other people in your life. So looking forward to that release next week. And I guess we'll catch you in two more weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful people.